There's a time and a place for black and white, like when you're learning to play piano, or when you want a big two-toned cookie, or when shopping for a pet zebra. But if you want to attract customers, there's no room for black and white, so go to Staples. Staples specializes in bold, hard-to-miss color printing. And now at Staples, get 20% back in rewards on color printing, from banners to brochures and copies to presentations. Print more color, save more money at Staples. In-store only. Ends 11 10, 18. Restrictions apply. See store associate or staples.com slash 20 back for details. I might have to take a sabbatical from CSR this week. I mean, you can take a sabbatical whenever you want. We're not going to complain. The 28-3 jokes The 28-3 to three jokes to and the Matt Ryan pooped his pants jokes. Oh, God. Yeah. I swear, that picture is going to be in every single Falcons thread, like game of, thread of the Falcons game coming up, along with a 28-3 yeah. joke. And I, I get it. Like, I've, I've, I've explained my, my piece on that. It's, it's just, funny, but people do realize it's not poop, right? Like, it's red <laughs> I, in I hope, paint. I hope so. I don't, I, I honestly don't, I think you're, I don't think they do. Welcome to the CSR Podcast, Fourth and Short. My name is Brian Beversluce. I'm here joined by Bradley Smith and John DeLong. How are you guys doing tonight? Good. I think that's the first time I've heard you, heard you pronounce your last name. I never really knew how to say it. Yeah, I kind of yeah. just went with Brian because there aren't many Brians <laughs> on our site. Um, I don't think there are any other ones. How do you say your name? How do you say it again? It's Beversluce. Beversluce. It's gotten to the point now where I hop on podcasts or whatever and I'm like, the first thing they're like, all right, Brian, how you doing? I'm like, hey, doing well. It's pronounced Beversluce, by the way. And they're like, oh, thank God. I was going to ask you that. I'm like, yeah. Hey, hey, Brian, how you doing? Uh, Brian Beversluce is doing fine. How are you guys doing? <laughs> the douchiest way possible. That's what you got to go with. But yeah, so, I'm good. Panthers, Panthers won. So, fun stuff. Yeah. Woo-hoo! They, uh, they won... Uh, seventeen to three in classic ugly Panthers fashion. Um, <laughs> Always zigging when you think they're gonna zag, and zagging when you think they're gonna zig. Yep. yep. I do so, think. Oh, oh, go ahead. oh, just my my initial thought. I thought the re- reactions to the Bears game got a little overblown. Um, obviously that was no. an awful game. I'm let I, yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, it is what it is, you know. I mean, we were awful, but then it's just kind of like. It, I don't know. It, it seemed like it kind of got forgotten about, like even not just like Panthers fans, like even like national like power rankings and media. Uh, I mean, we were like underdogs to the Buccaneers, and they're two and four. So I think it was just kind of a recency bias came into effect. After that to be fair, game. the Buccaneers have a lot of good pieces on offense. I mean, they do. I mean, I know they have one of the better offenses in the NFL. So of course they had they scored three points, and we couldn't. We had a hard time moving the ball against their league worst defense. Of course, well, to be fair, the wind was blowing like 25 <laughs> miles per hour and nobody could throw. Yeah, yeah, I forgot about that completely. Yeah, that that was what I thought was interesting. Like, 
I get that Cam Newton's good at throwing the ball down the field, but he had the wide open guys. And don't get me wrong, I'm not an NFL quarterback. Maybe those weren't even his reads for those plays. CP has like chastised me before because I was like, <laughs> well, he should have thrown it in the flat. And he's like, actually, that wasn't the read you're supposed, he was supposed to throw to. So, so I'm not. I'm going to preface this by saying I don't know what the read was, but there were several times where like Christian McCaffrey was open to the flat, easy first down, and instead he's throwing it down the field to guys who aren't necessarily open when the ball gets to them. That said, there were a couple times they got separation and then separation disappeared. So, Which is is rare in its own right, separation mm-hmm. down the field. I, was, oh, yeah. I did like that we at least, at least tried to throw a deep pass to Curtis Samuel. I, I think yeah. that that was a really good play by their by the Buccaneers defensive player. Too. It was. Like, he was he was beat, and he managed to make up that make up the distance. Like after seeing that play from start to finish, I said, you know what? I would have made that throw too, because Samuel looked open. The guy just made a good play, and that's that that's underscored a lot of times in some of the the deep throws that don't get caught. Like. Mm-hmm. Some, but like, it's not like the defensive backs and Panthers are playing against are shit, you know. Like, some of them are pretty good. So yeah, I just think <laughs> if, if you watch the, uh, this is where our wide receiver core needs to help Cam out. Like, if you watch the Texans and Seahawks game, um, Russell Wilson was just heaving 50-50 balls down the field, and his receivers were coming up with it every time. And it's just like there's nobody on the Panthers that seems to be able to do that. At least on on the deep pass, Kelvin can, but he's not. He takes eight seconds to get forty yards down the field. <laughs> wow, harsh take. I, mean, I don't think that's a harsh take. We all know Kelvin Benjamin's really slow. He's not really slow. He's just not fast for a wide receiver. I mean, I think like, his top end speed well, is that kind of means he's slow. Though. <laughs> no, 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 no. Like, I'm not saying that. I think that that Kelvin's actually pretty fast for a guy his size. Like. He when he gets running, yeah, it just takes him all to get going. It takes him a little bit to get going because he doesn't have that short area quickness that a guy like Christian McCaffrey has, for example. Um, that said, I mean he's he's been consistent for the Panthers as far as catching the ball down the field. It's just sometimes. So I want to bring this up because this is the second week in a row that they've done this, but they, I don't understand this whole idea with. Mike Shula, where it's like, okay, we're going to challenge the other team's number one corner. Guy makes a decent play or the throw isn't there. So they challenge the other team's number one corner with literally the same route on a set on the second consecutive play. They did it. They did it against the bears with Fuller and they did it against the Buccaneers with Hargreaves. And I just don't understand. And both times, like the second time around the ball was caught, but the corner pushed him out of bounds. It's like, okay, yeah, the ball was thrown right. The guy caught the ball, but if he can't get his feet in bounds, what the hell? It's like, why, why are you continuing to challenge the guy's number, the other team's number one corner? At the very least, flip the field, run the same route against the guy's <laughs> lesser corner. You know, like, I just don't get it. That's that's kind of what we do, is we take the thing that makes sense and we don't do it because it's going to be obvious. Yeah, we're experts at doing that. You should, you should know this by now. Also, uh, I, I think it's so. just the, the, the lack of variation in the routes that we have our receivers run there's like the it's just to we talk i think we have two problems we have our game plan where we don't really factor in the opponent's strength and weaknesses and almost reverse it to where we try to like outsmart them and do what they don't expect us to do but on the other end it's like the players that we have 
it's like we have in our heads like, all right, this is what this is the two things that they can do. Or these are the two things that they can do, and these are the only two things that they will do. Like Kelvin yeah. Benjamin does nothing but like ten yard dig routes, no matter. And and it's just like, I mean, he's he got that deep touchdown, but other than that, it's like I know he doesn't have speed, but he is no threat to run a deep route because he just doesn't run deep routes ever. So Calvin Benjamin, yeah. Not this year. He runs deep routes all the time. What are you talking about? I'm looking at his routes right now. He scored He scored a 25-yard touchdown. I know. I said that one. But I'm looking at his charts right now. Every single one. He, he runs like 10-yard. 10 10, I was going to say, he usually runs that 10 to 15-yard intermediate route. Mm-hmm. He doesn't He doesn't burn down the field like 30, 40 yards. If you like want, a number one should. I can go through and describe every route he's run according to the next-gen stat chart. Just verbally. I guess it's fair. I, I don't know. I just know that they, in the past, they've thrown him deep. Yeah, he, so he had one yeah. real deep one last week. And then, like, if you look at week six in particular, he had a bunch of targets. And they're all, like, he went, he started on the left side of the field, ran 10 to 15 yards up the field, and broke in or out. We have to remember, too, I mean, like, obviously Cam Newton's strength is throwing the ball down the field, but the protection needs to be there. Yeah, and it hasn't been really like this week. They did a really good job with it. But part of that is just the fact that the Bucks' only real threat on the defensive line is Gerald McCoy. So I feel like he's been pretty quiet this year, though, hasn't he? Yeah, he's been all right. I mean, from what I've seen, it's tough because defensive tackles, like for example, you look at Julius Peppers. If he had one sack by now, you'd be like, he's not playing well. Yeah, where like. K1 Short had, like, what, one sack, like, within six or seven games last year, mm-hmm. and people were like, oh, he's playing really well. So, you know, it's just a matter of that they don't get as many opportunities to actually get the quarterback. It's more so to create pressure and allow the people around them to succeed, you know? Yeah. So... That's... Go ahead. I was just going to say, I mean, I was just going to kind of say, do you guys want to talk about, what, what are your takeaways from the actual game that we, we did play, yes, Sunday? Brad's been pretty quiet. Let's let him talk. Oh, I, I get to talk? Eh, go for it. All right. <laughs> yeah. Um, I thought the offense looked like garbage. And if it wasn't for the Herculean effort by our defense, we would have lost and we would all be angry today. Um, we've got to find a solution to the problem and it's a very simple solution, but Ron won't do it. It's called fire your offensive <laughs> coordinator and hire someone who can actually call plays. But Brad, and do job. But Brad, have we ever seen a team fire their offensive coordinator and have success with an interim offensive coordinator? Has it no, ever happened before? <laughs> no, it has never happened. I, I don't, I, I don't know what to do because you know we can't fire him and replace him with somebody else because that surely will not work um i will give him credit there were moments yesterday where he made the right call and it worked but as a full body of work the offense looked terrible yesterday the fact that we only scored 17 points in that game is is almost inexcusable i mean it should have been you know, I don't want to put points on the board that aren't there, but it should have been at least 28 to three, if not more than that. The fact that we only won 17 to three kind of sucks. It almost felt like we lost. That's how bad it was. So I'm going to come in with the hard opposition review here. Um, not to say that the points that you bring up weren't correct. Like there were times where 
the offense did look like shit. But I think that Shula's idea of simplifying the offense is something they actually implemented. And those little jet, jet sweeps with Christian McCaffrey, while they're cute, they don't work particularly well. But the rushing attack in general seemed to look a little bit better. Obviously, introducing Cameron Artis Payne, who ran really well when he got the ball. Can I say something part, on that? Was, was good thing. Can I say yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. Go the ahead. fact that we're – is there's any discussion at all about a single 11-yard carry shows how bad our run offense has been. Yep. <laughs> like, it's like – it was a good run, and it actually looked like a competent run play. And the fact that we are actually pointing out, like, look at that play. Something worked. It shows, like, how bad things are. Because that's a play that you should see, like, at least once or twice every single game. Anyway – so, yeah, you're right. You're no, right. no, and I'm not disagreeing like, with anything you said. Like, I thought Artis Payne looked look spry and quick. It's just it's just kind of an illustration of the state of our running game because I've seen it from all over the place that people are like, that play is getting talked about probably more than any other play, and it was just like a standard 11-yard carry on, like, first down. Yeah, and, like, I'm not saying that, like, this, this is a good rushing attack at this juncture, but it's uh, better than it was. Yeah, yesterday was – or sat, Sunday was better than we've seen since, what, New England? Yeah. Um, really what I'm not sure about is there were plays where the guys were wide open, like I mentioned earlier, like McCaffrey opened in the slot, like those plays where you can get the first down and Cam chose to throw it down the field with all the wind and he overthrew, underthrew, whatever, and the deep passes just weren't there. And I get the, the mindset that you want to add more big plays to the offense. I mean, like, for God's sakes, most of the Panthers' losses this year have had to do with one or two big plays here and there. But at some point, like, I know Shula is definitely to blame for some of the offensive struggles, but it's like, you know, he called the right play if a guy's wide open in the flat who could easily get the first down and Cam doesn't throw it to him, you know? Okay, well, like, here's a question, though. I have a question about deep routes since we're talking about it. Why are we using Devin Funches? <laughs> That's because he's big. Well, who, the only thing I have to that is we don't really have many options. No, we don't. And, you know, Funchess is faster than he looks. That's true. But why aren't we using Curtis Samuel? That's why we drafted him. I mean, I know he's a rookie. I understand the argument that they want him to learn the playbook and all that other stuff that they say, which basically translate to he's not very good and we shouldn't have drafted him. But all you have to do is say, hey, go run a nine route. And if you're if you're incapable of doing that, you have no place in the NFL. I mean, it's the easiest thing to do. When they snap the ball, you run in a you run downfield as fast as you can, and you look up to catch the ball. That's all you got to do. Well, and, you have to remember press like press coverage, recognizing what the coverage is before the snap, stuff like that. Like there's no, there's some very nuanced downfield. You run downfield down and you get open. <laughs> I mean, it's not. It's not as complicated as some of the other stuff that they have them learn. Like, he doesn't need to know what, quote, spider 2 Y banana means. He just knows, you know, hey, I go deep. And even if you don't throw it to him, you know, put that option out there on the table. And I think they I just, tried to do that. I mean. They did try to do it one time, and I'll give them credit for trying, and it probably should have been caught. I know the defender made a play on it, but Samuel probably should have caught that pass. And that might be why they don't do it, because they know he's not going to catch it. 
I think they did it with Ted Ginn. But yeah. they did it with Ted Ginn. Yeah, that's what doesn't make sense. Give him enough chances, he'll eventually just like luck into one, like a blind squirrel, all that fun stuff. I think it's. I know. Well, I think he's been starting to lose some of his luster. There is something to be said about like I do. I, you know, I don't like how Mike Shula calls the games. There is something to be said that this roster or this offensive roster in particular is not very well constructed. No, it's not. Especially with the perimeter on the perimeter, like we just have no speed out there. Like Funches, like I said, Funches is like our 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 speed, our deep threat, and he's probably an average speed wide receiver if he speed and like acceleration. And he's being used as a deep threat, and his advantage of his, his best advantage is his size, and he's not that great at using it, like in contested situations. So, it's I it's, mean. Well, that's what's killing the offense, too, is along with the play calling. Part of the run game, I think, would get opened up if there was actually a threat that, you know, somebody might run past them. No, I don't disagree. I mean, like, and obviously, you know, hindsight's twenty twenty, but there were there were opportunities in the last two drafts where the Panthers could have drafted a player who would really complement that. Mm-hmm. Like, allow Kelvin Benjamin and Devin Funches to really work what they're good at, which is the intermediate stuff. Um. Well, see, that's one of the problems right there. You just pointed it out, and I don't know if you realize you made my point for me that I was going to make in a minute. We shouldn't have drafted both Kelvin Benjamin and Devin Bunches. We don't need both of them. We only need one. Yeah, we... They both basically accomplished the same thing. They're your big guy that gets you 15 yards. We, we don't need two of those. We have Greg Olson. Well, we don't right now, but we normally have Greg Olson. Which gives us three of those guys. That's three of those guys. And then we have Ed Dixon. So that's four of those guys. So, you know, it was a mistake to draft both Benjamin and Funches together. And we talked about this in the Slack chat earlier today. I don't know if you saw it or not, Brian, but, I, you know, it's going to sound like sour grapes from me, and it it's about 80% that. But when we drafted Amini Silatolu, we could have had we could have had Alshon Jeffrey. Okay, now stay with me. This isn't just we should have drafted Alshon, but we should have drafted Alshon. We wouldn't have had a need to draft Kelvin Benjamin. We could have had uh, I can't I can't even remember who it was now. It was uh, Jimmy Ward. We could have had Jimmy Ward. We could have had Ronald Darby. You know, quality defensive secondary players that we could have drafted instead of Kelvin Benjamin. Um, we could have drafted. Uh, Michael Thomas instead of Devin Funches, he would be perfect for what we need. We need a speed guy who can stretch the field. We, we've got three guys who are big and have a big catch radius, but that doesn't do you any good when you have nobody to take the top off the defense down down the field. And it all started when we did not draft Alshon Jeffrey. <laughs> I mean, even, 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 not, even not just Alshon. We could have taken Cordy Glenn instead of Amini Selatolu, and that would have solved an offensive line problem that would give Cam more time, and he could possibly find some of these guys when they finally get open downfield. So drafting Amini Selatolu has set this this team back five years. <laughs> was that that was still when Herney was here, wasn't he? That was that was one of Herney's last picks. Yeah, that was the 2010 draft, I believe. Or I think that's a little heavy as far as. Uh... I'm not saying that Amini Selatulu was the right pick. Don't get me wrong. Like Alshon Jeffrey definitely would have been the right pick. But you're, you're now you're playing the whole hindsight is 2020 game with the draft, and there's so many opportunities. There's so many situations where you can go back and say, 
well, you could have drafted this guy. I mean, for God's sakes, Armani Edwards, a.k.a. DeGoat. We could have had Jimmy Graham at that spot. You know, like, it's tough to play that game because you don't know how those guys are going to always translate to the NFL. And for all we know, Curtis Samuel, get a few more games under his belt, get a few more snaps under his belt, all of a sudden he is catching those passes down the field. Like, it's a little early for that considering he never he hasn't really – like right now is right like is right where he probably should have been in the third preseason game as far as reps go. Well, it's because he's made out of glass. <laughs> you know, oh. a hamstring injury is is tough to deal with for a, for a burner though. Like we've seen it. You know, he's had what three different injuries since he's been here. Yeah, no, it's always been it's always been the hamstring. Though. No, he had a back. No, he had a back and injury. An ankle too. injury. He had an ankle. Yeah, it's been three different. Injury, it's yeah. been three different things. We got Alrighty. that memory. <laughs> I think I know it's it's all hindsight, but it is, and then this is getting really far away from the Tampa Bay game. But it is kind of frustrating looking at our draft history the last five or so years and seeing all these picks that we've picked, used like consecutive picks on like the same position, and and then we have while well, we have all these holes everywhere else where it's like 2013 we draft big wide receiver Kelvin Benjamin, 2014 we draft big wide receiver Devin Funches. Draft Shaq Thompson with Thomas Davis still here. The only way to get Shaq Thompson on the field is to put our defense at a disadvantage. Draft Vernon Butler when we still have Kawan Short and Starwood too late. It looks like both of them are going to stick around. So now that's kind of like a wasted depth. I get that they all, they're like in a vacuum, all the picks were good. They're all talented players, but it's really frustrating. Like, yay, we got a really good defensive tackle that plays 25 snaps a game, but we have no speed on offense and our offensive line is bad. Yeah. I don't disagree. And Vernon Butler is especially one that's a head scratcher. Mm-hmm. I mean, Part of it, I think, is that Gettleman was going in one direction and Herney, or not, not well, I guess Herney slash uh, Richardson were going in another. Because I don't know, I think that Vernon Butler, I, I, I truly think that either K1 Short or Star Latulule was not going to be with the team again. Oh, like you, mean, you mean if, like, if Gettleman stayed around? Yeah. Yeah. That's, I think that sense. was the plan, was to get rid of one of those two. Um, it makes sense. The only thing is, like, this is my reaction when we made both of the, the Devin Funches and the Vernon Butler picks was one of uh, puzzled, like a puzzled reaction. And normally I'm just, like, Mr. Optimistic, excited every time we make a pick. Yeah, we got a new player. And both of those guys, like, huh? And Shaq Thompson, yeah, I too. Was, Gosh, when I was watching the draft um, when Vernon Butler got picked, the Eagles fan that was with me was like, well, I heard he was pretty good defensive tackle, and I was like, "But why the hell did we pick a defensive yeah. tackle there?" That's so, basically yeah. it. And then I and then I watch videos. And I'm like, "Okay, they're good," and now I got all excited. But I understand the Shaq pick, and I think Shaq has been playing pretty well as a blitzer run defender this year. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the Panthers earlier on were putting him in situations where he's like trying to cover, you know, the opposing team's number one wide receiver, which is never good, <laughs> no matter. What. So I think that's not entirely his fault. I think no. he's going to work out to be a good pick because he's very athletic and he's got he's got great ball skills. He's a really good tackler. Like I think that he's going to end up working out to be like what Thomas Davis was towards the end of his career a lot earlier once Thomas Davis retires. But if he retires, he's got you're, fake you're, knees, so he might just play till he's forty-five. Yeah, but you're right though. Like those those picks seem more like luxury picks than hey, let's address a need here. So yeah. But anyway, so yeah, the Tampa Bay game, right? Yeah, yeah, we won. <laughs> I 
I my thoughts are pretty much in line with Brad's. Um, the defense is great. The defense is super exciting. I'm so happy we finally got some turnovers. But it's just the the offense. It was uh, it was obviously better than the Bears game, but it's just everything looks it's it looks so labored. Like nothing yeah. comes easy. And part of that's the play calling, and part of that's just the personnel. It's just everything looks so hard, even when it's working. Yeah, they like I to shoot the foot in the foot a little bit. Yeah, like they're making mistakes, or like if Cam makes a throw, it's like the receiver's heavily covered and has to make like a really tough catch. Or uh, Cam, like they are open, but then Cam puts it, like makes it like a tougher catch than it should be. Or like the offensive line breaks down and Jonathan Stewart has to make four people miss to get a yard and a half. It's just like, it's moving forward, but it just looks so much harder than it should be. I agree. And that's, yeah, I agree too. It's it's an execution thing. Um, you know they they have the plays in place to to work at times, but at times. like you said, the, at the protect the protection could could screw up. Cam could make the wrong throw. It's just like the, what what I what really frustrates me about the Panthers' offense is just a lack of consistency. Like, <laughs> yeah, if Cam makes the right throw and it's batted down and complete, okay, that's fine. If Cam, if Cam's dropping back for like a ten to fifteen yard pass, and the coverage is good and he gets sacked, fine, whatever. But what we're seeing is either Cam getting himself into bad situations with the pressure by holding on to the ball too long, and just not throwing. And I, I think he did a better a better job of it this week. Don't get me wrong; I don't want to criticize him too much as far as that goes because I definitely saw him do that at least once, throw the ball away when there wasn't anything yeah. there. But between not between throwing the ball down the field when you have something clearly there that you can just take and get the first down and keep keep the drive going, or the guys dropping passes or the guys not running the right routes or people like Jonathan Stewart trying to bounce it outside when they already have two defenders on them instead of just trying to drive it inside and get those two yards and just move on. It's there's a lot of mistakes being made by this offense. There and, were a couple plays. Where, like, to get on the Jonathan Stewart point, where I, he, his blocking's terrible, but there were a couple times where he was making a play, and it was like, I remember thinking, like, I can't help but think if we had, like, a good running back, like, that would be in a five-yard game. It was said we lost, like, two yards. Just on, like, either being slow to react to a hole, or, like, missing a hole, or just not making a cutback when it should have been there. He just, like, just missing little things, and he's just not... He just doesn't have the the burst anymore to make up for those shortcomings. Yeah, the one that really got me was uh, the Panthers did like some kind of outside run on the right side, and the defensive back approached Stewart from the outside to force him inside. And instead of just running running hard and like running into the defender and probably getting two to three, maybe four yards. Stewart tried to bounce it outside, and he lost two yards. It's like, yeah, why are you trying to do that? I remember that like, exact play, because that might have been the play where I was thinking yeah. that. And I think and he's getting that Mike Tolbert syndrome, where Mike Tolbert did that all the time at the end of his time here. He would, he I've would, been asking that question to myself since we've started this season. Why are we – why is Jonathan Stewart running outside, and why is Christian McCaffrey running inside? It's somebody said this on Twitter, and it actually is probably one of the smartest things I've read on Twitter. Um, Mike Shula has running back dyslexia, 
And <laughs> he he just doesn't, you know, in his mind, he's doing the right thing. And, you know, it's clearly wrong, but that's the only explanation. That or he's willfully dumb or he's trying to sabotage the team so he can get fired and go work somewhere else. And he's, it's like he doesn't want to quit because he doesn't want to hurt Ron's feelings. So he's he's <laughs> trying to get fired. <laughs> that's, that's an interesting theory. Um, I think McCaffrey at some point will be capable of running between the tackles, at least at a passable level. He's not going to break tackles, but if you give him some openings and stuff. Um, I don't understand why we do anything with Stewart outside the tackles. He's just he just can't do it, especially with our offensive line because he he's not going to yeah. have he needs he needs space to get going and he's not getting that space to get going. My play that stands out to me, we did like a little jet sweep type thing to McCaffrey and Stewart functioned as the lead blocker. And I can't remember who was pulling, but there's an offensive lineman pulling. It might have been Matt Khalil, and he couldn't quite get to. I think it was Levante David. And Jonathan Stewart ran straight past him. He had clearly beaten the polling lineman. And Jonathan Stewart ran straight by him, kind of stuck his hand out to kind of tag him. And David just ran up and hit McCaffrey, like, one-on-one, like, three yards in the backfield. And if Stewart just, like, bumped him, McCaffrey had at least five, six, seven yards before he would even have gotten touched. And stuff like that, it's just, it just happens, it seems like, every single play. Because somebody blows an assignment every single handoff. Which makes me wonder is are they just not good enough anymore or is there a you know, is the blocking scheme that complicated where they just can't figure it out, you know? My thing with that is is Matt Khalil's the only new guy. Like if it was that complicated, they should they've had the same coordinator for a couple of years now. Like they should all get it. Yeah. So it can't be that hard. I think it's an offensive lineman problem, or maybe Matt Khalil is just so bad he's making everybody else bad. Brian, you have, remember, you have to remember too. I mean, you you mentioned the guy who was, that made the play, Levante David. You know, like the scheming for an offensive play, especially a perimeter run, they have very specific assignments as far as who they're going to block. Yeah, and Luke Keekley is like the poster child for plays where all of a sudden they, they do a perimeter run and then there's a linebacker in the backfield who makes the tackle. And it's like, you typically scheme, like a lot of those perimeter runs, there's typically guys on the backside where you're not even worried about them running that play because they aren't supposed to be able to make that play. And as I mentioned, Keekley and Levante David is definitely one of the better outside linebackers in the NFL. Mm-hmm. You're just going to run into that sometimes. Like those guys are really smart, really athletic, and really good at tackling. So they might run in there and blow up your play just because they figured it out pre-snap, you know? So I'm not, sure I'm not saying what that. you guys are saying is wrong, but there are. It, this is the NFL. It's the elite of the elite. So sometimes you're just going to have that one play where the linebacker figures it out, goes back there, blows the whole freaking thing up. I mean, if you remember that one, that one play by... Uh, Luke Keekley against the Ravens back in 2013, where yeah, it was a toss play. Luke Keekley blew up. Yeah, against the Ravens, he blew up the the play call. Running back fumbled. Thomas Davis scores. Like the running back clearly had no idea that Luke Keekley was coming. Luke Keekley mm-hmm. just blew, shot the gap and just like blew him up. So like the best run stop of all time in his preseason yeah. game, but that's okay. Yeah, like. Those plays are going to happen with those elite level linebackers. Like they just know they know they they have very good game flow. They have very good 
awareness of where the ball is going to be. So the Panthers definitely could use some upgrades on the offensive line from an athleticism standpoint, and Matt Khalil hasn't really shown me anything to make me think that he's a good run-blocking offensive lineman. In fact, I think he's a bad run-blocking offensive lineman. I, I would be hard-pressed to disagree with that, yes. <laughs> yeah, I think you might be right, Brian, and I, I think you might need to change your word some to um, most because, quite frankly, we should keep Trey Turner and Andrew Norwell, and we should completely replace everybody else. Well, we have, put Moten yeah. in at right tackle. You know, we've got him on the bench. Put Moten in at right tackle and put Daryl Williams somewhere on the line. and get a center, and get a left tackle. Was it CP that suggested today that we should uh, just let Norwell walk and then move Williams to guard and then put uh, Moten at right tackle? Yeah, and that's not a terrible idea. I mean, <laughs> depending on idea. how much Norwell wants. You know, yeah. if he wants more than, like, an average value of, like, $7 million a year, then you have to let him go because he's not worth it. Um, but, you know, if we find – if we find a left tackle that's decent and we we keep Norwell, just assuming we do, we put Moten at right tackle, then we've got Larson and Williams that can play those backup swing lineman positions where Williams can be a, a tackle or a guard and Larson can be a guard or a center. And, you know, you've got that covered. And we can get rid of guys like Amini Silatolu who – can't really play and then we can get rid of and this is a pretty hot take but it's time to get rid of ryan khalil um, yeah if he can't stay healthy the the best ability is availability and he doesn't have it anymore you know he's he's apparently got a broken neck of some sort because he can't stay on the field and you know i'm not a doctor so don't take my word for it but something is wrong and they're not telling us what it is and when when it's something like that with an offensive lineman, especially a center, you know, he, he can't play. And we need somebody who can. I think it's very damning that he uh, he played he, – you know, he missed all these games out of nowhere, and then he played the Bears game, and he played, what, one series before he had to leave with injury again? Yeah. The same thing. So it's like he gets – as soon as he gets exposed to contact, he has to go back out. That's not a very reassuring fact. No, it's not. And it's – it's like Trey Turner with his knee, you know. He's, Has that been he's bothering him all year? It's been bothering him, you know. He hasn't missed much time, but he keeps coming out for a series or two with what appears to be a knee problem. I think and, he's the same um, problem. So, I just sorry. yeah, I was gonna say my pet peeve. I think it's Jim Manson does it. His he'll say like Trey Turner missed last week with the knee. Yeah, and then knee. Well, well, we all have knees. Don't see me missing my job. <laughs> Sorry, go on. That's just one of my pet peeves from announcers. <laughs> but anyway, yeah. <laughs> um, you know, Trey Turner has had this knee for <laughs> this knee injury for the last couple of weeks now, and you know, he's a guard. He needs his knees. He needs to be able to push. <laughs> and you know, if he can't. Put Daryl Williams in at right guard, sit Trey Turner for a couple of games. You don't have to IR him or anything, but let him sit until the bye and, you know, let him heal. It's better for him to miss two games now than to get hurt 
in two weeks or three weeks, and you know we're we're four we're what five and three right now. Let's say we're mm-hmm. seven and three, and then we lose Trey Turner for the rest of the year. You know that sucks. So you know it's it's probably best to let him rest now. Yeah, I like like these next couple of weeks, especially next week or the week after next with the against the Dolphins is a great week to just kind of let if there's anybody that's kind of iffy on their status just let them sit it out. Not I mean not to take the Dolphins lightly or anything, but it's it's an it's an AFC opponent. They're yeah, not good. It doesn't hurt us if we lose as much. Not, yeah. As you know, next week does. We'll have the bye week. It's an extra week to heal. So it's just, it's, yeah. yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if there's a lot of, you know, questionables that lead to the uh, DNPs. Yeah, guys that. like Ryan Khalil and, and Trey Turner and um, hell, there's one other one I can't remember who it is now. Uh, yeah, I don't know either. But you know, yeah, you're right. You know. They need to play next week because it's a big or this week because it's a big game. But next week's a less big game. Yeah, this is Monday Night Football though. I think I'm gonna so, go to it. I'm kind of excited Dolphins. about that. Yeah, that game is gonna look is gonna be. It. The Dolphins are all revenge tour. It's gonna it's gonna look like uh, our last year's Monday Night game when we played a team from Florida, and we lost to a Roberto Aguayo game winner. Mm. We haven't talked about him yet. Are, <laughs> are either of you as bummed as I am that he didn't make the trip to Tampa and kick the game? I was so there? disappointed that he didn't play in Tampa. <laughs> I was so – I said it in like the, the, the thread where we – whenever whoever posted it said like, oh, we're working out kickers and Roberto Aguayo wasn't there. And I was – and I said like Roberto Aguayo – a son of Roberto Aguayo would make me so happy. And I got a couple like responses that are just like, why? Because you know this is just so fun. Yeah, it would have been awesome if he would have come in and, and won the game with a field goal. Or even just made a field goal. Like That probably would have made Buccaneers yeah, fans mad. Just to, just to spit that in the Bucks' face. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, Roberto Aguayo hey. makes like two extra points and a 25-yard field goal, and Bucks fans are pissed. Why couldn't yes. he do that for us? <laughs> oh, boy. All right. Uh, <clears throat> All right, I have one more question for you guys. Just, Go ahead. All right, scale of 1 to 10, how good do you feel about Sunday's win? Uh, about a 5. Yeah, I'll give it about a 6. I mean, a win is a win, and that's great. I mean, it's better than a loss. You know, we're we're 5 and 3 instead of 4 and 4, so that's great. Uh, it it kind of – my spirit got dampened a little bit when the – the Saints and Falcons both won, so you know it basically made our me- our win meaningless. Um, well, we didn't fall behind. We didn't fall behind, but I just I, I almost felt like we lost because we only won by two touchdowns. We only won by two touchdowns. I I'm also gonna give it like a six. Yeah, I mean it it it, it felt like the uh, <laughs> if it, it felt like the 49ers and Bills games. Yeah. Especially the Bills game. It's like, eh, we won. Yeah. <laughs> At least, by the way, right now, if the season ended today, we'd be in the playoffs. So That's never a bad thing. Nope. Despite themselves, the Panthers played well enough to get to a 5-3 and record and 
have the ability to get to seven and three if they beat the Falcons and the Dolphins. So it's they can they very much control their own fate right now. So, mm-hmm. but hey, we're in the hunt too. I got <laughs> exactly I what you wanted. I got exactly what I wanted. We are in the hunt. We're not undefeated, and we're not completely out of it. <laughs> yep. And that's very much what the Falcons can say right now, too. And yep, it's uh, going to be a fun game. So for everybody listening, we're going to have a couple guys from the Falcoholics website. Guys? On. Guys, girls. My friend Gina will be on. Anyway. Um, <laughs> Sweet name so, drop. It's my friend. My friend. My friend. The uh, woman that likes football. Not a friend of the program. <laughs> She's a friend of Brian. Well, they're not friends of the program until they've been on the program. So... Um, but yeah, we have friends from Falcoholic who will be on, so feel free to join us for that. That's going to be dropping, I guess, Friday. Friday. Yeah. Um, that should be fun. We'll be talking a lot of crap on the Saints, I'm sure. But yeah, so from all of us here at the CSR podcast, I'll let Brad and John do their send-offs, but have a good night. I'll see you guys later. Yay, go Panthers. Hey.
it rains, hit the lathes. Experience the best in weatherproof fun at Bolero. Bowl, play games, and treat your taste buds to Bolero's signature menu. Don't get wet, go bowling. Visit Bolero.com for hours and weekly specials. Hey everybody, it's Neil Patel, Editor-in-Chief of The Verge. I host a podcast every week called The Verge Cast with my friends Paul Miller and Dieter Bone. We've got a rotating cast of characters from our entire site, which is about technology, how it impacts culture, and how that is all a big cycle that causes us to have a wide variety of feelings that you can listen to every Friday. We've done over 300 episodes in the six years since The Verge has been around, but you only need to listen to one, the latest one, to get caught up on everything in tech news. Vergecast is on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, everywhere else you listen to podcasts, check it out.